Welcome to the Doc Lounge Podcast, Crazy Cases Series. In this series, we will explore some of the most unusual and interesting cases medicine has ever seen. We will speak with providers of all specialties from all over the nation. We will hear firsthand accounts from symptoms to treatments to cures. So sit back, relax, and let's explore some crazy cases. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode of Crazy Cases. Our honorable guest today is a podcast alumni, Dr. Daniel Bustos. Dr. Bustos is a talented board-certified ophthalmologist practicing out of Texas. Uh, Dr. Bustos tells Chris and I a story that blew our mind and we cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, thank you, Chris, so much for joining the podcast and being my co-host today. Love being here. So before every crazy cases, I'd like to mention that we do go by HIPAA guidelines and no patient personal information will be shared. With that being said, let's get started. So Dr. Bustos, take us to the beginning. What was the complaint and what was the symptoms of the patient? So uh, I do a lot of cataract surgery. Uh, and so I, I frequently get people referred to me in my office for an evaluation for surgery. And I get all sorts of patients, patients who have no cataracts, patients who have complete cataracts. Uh, as you know, patients who have already taken their cataracts out for me. Um, this one was a little unusual. Um, when I first walked into the room, I saw a mid-50s uh, man, kind of gruff looking, and I sat down, introduced myself, and the first thing he said was, hold out your hands. So I held out my hands. He's like, okay, good. They don't shake. <laughs> I'm like, this is not the first time I've ever had someone ask me to do this, but I asked him why, and he said, well, I came from a guy down the road, and he just wanted to get my cataracts out, lickety split, uh, but his hands were shaking like a like a leaf. And I said, wow. no, thank you, got up and walked out. So here in my office, wanted to make sure my hands didn't shake, which yeah, I don't blame them, you know. Okay. Um, we're doing microsurgery here. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want your surgeon's hands to shake. Yeah. But I sat down and talking to the guy, and uh, first thing I knew when I walked in the room was, was his vision was quite poor. It was counting fingers on the right, which is even worse than seeing the big E up on the chart about 2200 on the left i said okay well you know it's a good bet he's got some some pretty uh, thick cataracts in there which i, I see all the time mm-hmm. uh, when i asked him when this started or how long how long had it been since his vision had been bad and that's that's kind of what i try and get at because cataracts grow real slowly and they grow about the same portion in each eye so most people don't have a reference point of when each side got bad, they just know when things started to get difficult for them in their lives to see and, and function yeah. visually. So I asked him, when, when did your, your vision start to get bad? And he said, well, I was in this dark room for three months. And when I, when I left the room, uh, is when I couldn't see anything. I'm like, okay. I knew there was a story there because most people don't complain about dark rooms and, and growing of cataracts but I thought, okay you know let's just let me just look here because 
you know, if, if these are walnut cataracts or petrified marble, then, you know, they could seem like living in a dark room caused them. I don't know. So I, yeah. I, I take a look at this guy's eyes. A quick survey, pretty healthy looking eyes, except for very average looking cataracts. In fact, uh, slightly better than average looking cataracts. You know, the kind of cataracts that I see all the time that people are still seeing 2020, 2025 in. And they may complain of some glare, uh, some shadows or some halos, but you know, most probably still see reasonably well. So right off the bat, I'm like, okay, something else is going on here because the, the depth or the maturity of this cataract did not match mm-hmm. what hit so, okay, I'm like, oh, something's going on in the retina. The optic nerve is damaged. You had me a stroke. Let's take a look. So I look all throughout, all throughout the eyes. Good, thorough exam, and I got nothing. Oh, wow. I had nothing. I mean, I, I had a couple of straws I could grasp at. Uh, but I said, okay. So I pulled back, and I let his vision kind of grab from all the webs and, and so forth. But um, I asked him, okay, I said, so this, this started going bad after you were in a dark room for three months. I said, yeah. I said, can you tell me why you were in a dark room for three months? Because that's pretty unusual unless you're uh, being kidnapped or something. Exactly. exactly. This is a grown man. Um, well, let me start out by saying that I was released from prison about two or three years ago. I'm like, okay, this is, this is, getting, this is going somewhere. Okay. Uh, Good start. He said I was in solitary confinement. There you go. Oh, no. Months. And when I got out is when I finished my prison term. And I just figured that I was in the dark room for too long. And, and so I couldn't see. And I'm like, on the off chance that being in a dark room could affect your vision, it wouldn't make cataracts grow. So let's, let's, let's expand into the story a little bit. Uh, I said, when do you remember being able to see normally? He said, well, I remember being able to see normally before I was put in solitary confinement. Okay. At this point, I feel like I'm Perry Mason having to just kind of pull little pieces out of this guy's story because, you know, help me out here. Um, I said, okay, what happened before you were put in solitary? Why were you put in solitary confinement? He said, well, let me start off by saying I feel like I've been treated you know, unfairly by the prison system for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, a Marine and shot in the line of duty, and they discharged me dishonorably because uh, they didn't like who I was dating. And so I went on a destructive path, and I you know, beat up some people and ended up in prison. But when I got into prison um, – there was one particular guard who just had it out for me. He said, it didn't matter what I did. I wasn't disrespectful. I didn't, wasn't mean to him. He just had it out for me. He hit me, abused me verbally, physically, every chance to get. Wow. I said, okay. I, I mean, I'm feeling kind of bad for the guy. I mean, he looks really gruff, like, you know, like you probably wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley, but, but still I felt bad for the guy. You know, he, he was there for the wrong, you know, there for a reason, but he wasn't, he wasn't instigating things for the prison guard, it sounded like. So, okay, so what happened next? Uh, and he said, well, one day he just said something I couldn't take anymore. I, and I just snapped. And I just beat him to a pulp. And I beat him so bad he had to retire. And I just couldn't take it. I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what happened next? 
And he said, well, after I was done beating him up, all the guards descended on me and beat to a pulp. And um, like the next thing I remember, I woke up in a dark room uh, and the guard, one guard who said he was nice to him was uh, said, we're really concerned about you. I was concerned about you. You've been in, uh, been unconscious for two days. Glad you're awake. But they still didn't take him to the doctor. They still didn't take him out of solitary confinement. He just woke up and finished his prison sentence. And I said, so it was immediately after you woke up, you couldn't see us. Yeah, that's correct. So, okay, so did do you remember having black eyes? Did the guards hit you in the eyes? Like, no, no, I didn't get hit in the eye. I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. I'm like, did you, I mean, do they hit, did they hit you in the head? He's like, oh, yeah, they split my head open from front to back with their billy clubs. And uh, I, I had pretty bad head trauma. Uh, but I'm like, but there wasn't anything you, you were, you could walk and you could talk and there wasn't other problems. He said, no. So anyway, I was just really shocked that they, you know, beat him near to death and then just left him in the prison cell for two, for two days, uh, and didn't do anything. But anyway, um, so I asked him, I said, you know, do you remember anything? Do you remember seeing being in a room of light at all after you get got beat up? He said, no. So I'm, I kind of have a lot to work on, but when somebody has that degree of head trauma, it's kind of like um, being in a car accident. Mm-hmm. You know, it's effectively uh, smashed your head around a few windshields and uh, around the car frame and anything could have happened in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, he didn't have any other signs of of damage to the optic nerve. Like sometimes we can tell if someone's optic nerve had a stroke by the way the pupils react. The pupils reacted the same. Um, his ability to distinguish color was normal. That's other another sign that you could have some uh, problems with the optic nerve. That was normal. His retinas were intact, so he didn't have a retinal attachment. This was poor vision in both eyes, unequally, but in both eyes. And his eyes looked totally normal for the most part, at least normal enough anyway. So there's a couple of things I'm thinking of. His optic nerve looked a little congested. Sometimes you can have uh, what are called optic nerve drusen, and there are uh, deposits you're born with in mm-hmm. the optic and they can cause a congestive or a compressive optic neuropathy that can slowly take your vision over a lifetime. But the guy was in his mid fifties. Uh, I've seen that one other time, and it looked a whole lot worse than that. So, I'm like, okay, well, let's 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 talk about what we're going to do here. I said, I don't think your cataracts, number one, are to cause for your count fingers and twenty two hundred vision. So he said, so getting getting the cataracts out is not going to help my vision. And I said, no, it's not going to help your vision. I mean, it's going to help. It might help a little bit. It might help the left eye a little bit but it's not going to bring your vision back from count fingers and 2200 back to 2020, like the average cataract. Yeah. Patient. And he just broke down and started crying. And I just like, I was just, I felt horrible for him because the guy had been through so much already to get there, mm-hmm. you know, and he was just 
you know, he was just ready to get his cataracts out because like everybody else who he knows that gets the cataracts out, they have 2020 vision the next day. They're seeing great life changed. And not only has the guy been through it all, but now I just kind of took away his only, you know, his only lifeboat. Uh, so I said, I don't really don't think this is, this is going to help you. I said, we need to do some testing to determine what caused this. And in my mind, I already know what caused this. Uh, I told him we should bring them back and we'll do some testing to see if there is these drusen in the optic nerve uh, and document that if there is. But that's effectively um, check off the box text, uh, check off the box tests that I need to do. So the uh, insurance will approve the MRI because the MRI really is what's going to tell me the diagnosis yeah. here that I already know. And the guy had uh, intracranial hemorrhage and uh head trauma that caused a stroke essentially and i need to get the mri to prove it uh, but that's effective uh and i can't i can't do that until i've done these other tests so i didn't lay all that out there for him during that visit because he, he'd had enough i mean emotionally already kind of uh gone through the ringer so i said well let's just start off with these tests and see what we can do mm-hmm. but it's it's a it's a harrowing kind of experience to hear someone talk about the level of abuse and trauma they had and and you know not saying that he's you know 100 percent not to blame and a complete angel there things happen that you know that still shouldn't have happened uh and he's gonna pay the price forever for so i i felt bad and wanted would love to take out his cataracts but it's not going to help him and unfortunately i i cringe to think that there are plenty of surgeons that would hop right to it and take out his cataracts and and not think twice and not really sit down and have that discussion about what's going on, why you're in this case, and what you can expect if we do take out your cataracts. Yeah. I did said in the end, if there's nothing else we can do and you want to get your cataracts out to give you a little bit more of a boost, I think it's reasonable. But my job, uh, my unenviable job at that point was to make sure that he knew unequivocally that this, his vision is not this way from cataracts. And I don't think it's going to get significantly better no matter what we do. How long was he in um, solitary confinement? Uh, get best. I could kind of ascertain. It was probably about three months. Wow. And it's completely black. I mean, in the solitary confinement. Yeah. He said it was pretty, pretty much black he, he couldn't really distinguish anything in the room now that being said i don't know exactly how dark his solitary confinement was because his his confinement was was you know uh or his level of a vision was colored by the trauma too so it may not have been completely dark but he he perceived it as completely dark because he lost so much vision so mm-hmm. i really have any way of knowing exactly how dark it was only that it a you know it didn't cause his vision dark and B, it almost didn't matter. Wow. So something like this, Dr. Bustos, if treated immediately, is there any corrective uh, to the vision or is it, it, it just so much trauma, it's not going to matter? Uh, you know, it really depends, Chris. I mean, it, it's very likely that that he experienced so much contra-coup, head trauma, contra-coup, contra meaning this, the brain bouncing around yeah. in the it's very likely he experienced so much of that 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 in and itself caused the vision loss and not just intracranial hemorrhage. Intracranial hemorrhage, if that were to, you know, to be left untreated, yes, that could 
cause vision loss, but yes, you can treat that and reduce pressure and hopefully prevent vision loss. But my suspicion is that it was intracranial hemorrhage caused by significant contracure injury, which is probably what caused the vision loss to begin with. So in his case, it probably wouldn't have saved his vision. Yeah. So did he get uh, an MRI? Uh, not yet. I just actually saw the bill for this first wow. volley of testing for me to show the insurance company that I've ruled out some more likely things. Uh, so they'll pay for the MRI to have happen. So he still has to come back for that first volley of testing. All right. So this is going to be an ongoing case. So we're going to have to talk to you again and see what happens. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I feel pretty certain what's what the diagnosis is going to be. Yeah. But yeah, no, we'll certainly, uh, certainly keep you updated and and we'll see him back and see what happens. Uh, but hopefully he's come to grips with it a little bit more when he comes back and, and we can talk about the realities of what, what, fa- what he faces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, keep, at keep least him, he knows that now. Yeah. Keep him in our thoughts and yeah. it's, that's rough. I, I very can't rough. imagine. Uh, yeah. I've had, we've, we've had now had two cases in a row where I've had some strange trauma uh, it's, it's actually really astounding for me to see the level of trauma and abuse that the average person goes through. Whenever I talk to someone about cataract surgery, I always ask them, have you had any direct blunt trauma, i.e. a fist, a baseball, an elbow, a racquetball, something that squares your right in the eye, because that can cause not only, you know, retinal detachments and glaucoma and bleeding, it can, um, it can damage the structures in the eye and make my surgery are more complicated. So I always ask them about that. But when I ask that those people that question, and I ask that probably a dozen times a day to people, it's astounding how many people then just break down and start crying because oh. I've been, yes, my husband abused me. My boyfriend abused me. My, my children abused me. My wife abused me. Um, I was, I was viciously beat up on the subway. I mean, so many people are walking around. You'd never guess because they hide it all, they, they yeah. press it all. They've been they've been have had severe trauma uh, of one kind or another, and it just it just leaves them devastated. Whether they've covered that up mentally or all or not, uh, it all comes out when I ask them that. And it's 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 harrowing the number of people who have been through so much, and you wouldn't really know it unless you asked them. Yeah, and the effects it has on their vision. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's scary. Very scary. Well, we'll leave this one as part one. And um, then we'll meet you again. and We'll do part two. And I want to see what happens with this guy. Yeah, I do too. We can get him seeing at least a little bit better, get him connected with low vision specialists. So he has some aids to help him function better in life. But uh, I think he'll, he'll have one eye that probably will be able to get through most of the day, I hope. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, that Chris, do you have any questions for him before we hop off? No, I'm just glad to hear that uh, you got a, a game plan for the guy. Hopefully, it works out. Yeah, I sure hope so too. I think I think he at least appreciated hearing it all straight up. Being lost. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll uh, talk to you soon in part two. Okay, listeners. Thank you for hanging tight. If you're still on, here's part two to what happened with this gentleman's vision. We have Dr. Bustos on the line. Let's get started. 
So, Dr. Bustos, thank you for joining us back on the Doc Lounge podcast. We are really interested in hearing about this gentleman's eyes. Um, I'm hoping it's good news. I'm not sure that it is from talking to you previously on the phone. Um, but I'm going to give you the stage. Let us know what happened. So uh, this gentleman uh, went for his uh, MRI and didn't really come back with anything conclusive. Uh, the radiologist said there's some minor ischemic areas where there, uh, which is common to see microvascular ischemic uh, uh, spots. It's common to see as you get older but no big area of infarct or stroke in the, in the occipital cortex, like I might've thought. Um, so really kind of one of those swings and widths, uh, at least diagnostically. Um, I actually looked at the films myself and, and, and didn't really see anything either. Uh, so, you know, this, this is kind of like the area of medicine that's, I wouldn't say necessarily this is the art of medicine, but this is, happens a lot in medicine where you you have this thing and it seems like a slam dunk and you go and you and you get your testing and you, you don't really see much. And then you're left to your own diagnostic decisions about what's most likely, what's possible, did I miss anything? And so I did this, all, all went over this process in my head, you know, after I got those results and and still... You know, when you take into account his history, the timing, what a vision like what was like before and after, and the absence of any other signs on exam, I still had to come to the conclusion that this was a traumatic uh, loss of vision. Um, if it was a loss of vision uh, because of damage to the optic nerves, then it, A, was so... Uh, symmetric, meaning both sides were affected so much that one side is not relatively worse than the other. And it's hard for me to pick that up on exam that way. But also it happened recently enough that there's not any pallor or wasting away of the optic nerves yet that I see on my exam. So I still have to end up thinking that this was a, you know, a, a damage to the brain from the significant trauma he's, he withstood. And in the end, uh, uh, when he came back to discuss the test results, you know, he, he, he agreed. He says that I, I think the timing just makes sense that, you know, I could see before and I couldn't afterwards. And we both certainly agreed that this wasn't because he was in a dark room for three months. It was, it was related to the trauma. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost think too, I mean, being in a dark room for three months your eye, that's not what your eyes are, are used to as well. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. But it doesn't, it, it shouldn't cause the regression of rods and cones in your retina and things like that. I mean, it might take you a few days to get used to normal lighting again, uh, but your retinas wouldn't degenerate after you've been an adult. You know, if, if you locked a, a two-year-old in a dark room for three months, then yeah, you might cause some irreversible blindness by way of amblyopia yeah. or what people call lazy eyes but yeah. once the visual system is fully formed that's not much of a an issue yeah wow 
So there's uh, really no conclusion to this right now. And he's just kind of still struggling with his he, vision. He is. And we go, we, I went back to the, you know, talking about cataracts earlier with him because he does have cataracts, but not cataracts that are causing him to be 2200 and, you know, 2100. And I said, it's always an option. He said, well, you know, I'll, I'll keep back pocket. Maybe, that's, maybe I'll try and get everything I can get later. But for right now, he's got a lot of other psychosocial stuff going on. He's get really depressed and has a hard time because it lost all his friends after going to prison. And it's a really a sad case. Um, but in the end, I think there was some good done because he knew he, he could come to a place where people would listen to him and uh, and and he he had his his whole traumatic event validated at least you know yeah that that what he went through someone sees and knows understands what he's going through so there's something at least I think yeah and talk about appreciation when you've seen your whole life and then you have that taken away like the appreciation for sight um must be you know i mean even for him being in in prison for a certain amount of time and taken away from all of all that you know all the amenities all the freedom that you have and then you get that back right then you have that appreciation it's like this um crazy dynamic of he got all this stuff freedom back but then he got his sight taken away it's a crazy dichotomy, isn't it? Yeah, that's the word, dichotomy. I mean, he's he's really in a dark place right now, and you know, just just trying to give him some hope, you know, was was really my my most important job, and listening to him and validating him and letting him know that I'm here, even though there's I may not be able to reverse all his blindness. There's things we can still try and do, and you know, while he gets his feet back underneath him, so yeah, yeah. trying to do the best we. To help bring some light to his dark world. Well, maybe this sets him on a, a little bit different course now because he's had someone that he could vent to and find out what's what was going on and said, here you go. And sometimes that does take him on a different direction. I hope so. I think just knowing that you have someone that, you know, gives a flip about you and will listen to you and work with you um, because he's in a very dark place and felt very alone for you know a few years now. So I think... Well, I hope at least that gives him enough juice to keep pushing on. And he's seeing a, a psychiatrist or yeah, psychologist see, and uh -huh. doing all that. So yeah, hopefully that helps. Yeah. Well, we'll keep him in our thoughts and um, God, what a story. And we'll, I'll add this section obviously to the, to the first section of this and um um, hopefully we get some more listeners out there, you know, really pushing good vibes for him and good thoughts and prayers. And, um, because sight is just something, I mean, I, I probably take for granted every day. My, my sunrises, my sunsets, my, just the beauty of everything that I see <laughs> and, and, and what I do for a job as a creative, you know, um, if my You're sight so was taken away, I, I, I don't know what I would do. 
Well, I, I hear it every day. I get patients that come in who, you know, whose vision has dropped to 2040, 2050. They lost their driver's license. And they're just like coming into me scared, hoping that I can restore their sight. But they, but you know, when you when you see someone who's lost one of the most essential uh, senses, and then they're sitting face to face with you, knowing that you're going to cut on their eyeball and hope to try and restore that, it really is like unzipping their mental fly, and they just they just like ooze out their fears, or like I I could lose any other sense that you could give me that I have. I can't lose my sight. So please don't, you know, help me. You know, they just, they really panic about it. So the site is such a, uh, it's really a lot of a, a very uh, taken for granted kind of sense until we start losing it. And then they lose it. And it's like, this changes my world. So I need my world back. Yeah. Right. Well, we appreciate your time again, Dr. Bustos. Well, thank yeah, you, Chris. Thank you. Summer. Thank you to all our listeners. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes air, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And a big thank you to Pacific Companies. Without you guys, this podcast could not be possible. If you would like to be a guest, go to www.pacificcompanies.com. Thank you.